You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. Well, good morning. Did not expect that ride in today, did you guys? Uh, if we get snowed in here together, that's okay. I'll just order pizza and we'll just have church all day. Is that cool? I've got several other sermons I could go over. And so we're good. We got plenty of stuff to do today. Um, no, it is pretty, but uh, definitely uh, East Tennessee weather. I have no idea what's, what's going to happen. Uh, if you've got your Bibles, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Uh, last week, we saw that Jesus asked the disciples to follow him. And he said, I'm going to make you a, a, a follower of Jesus that becomes a fisher of men. So follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. And so they didn't understand what that really meant at the beginning of that uh, uh, following, and, and neither did we when we first started following Jesus. We didn't know what it me- meant to become a, a, a maker or a fisher of men. And so, uh, but over time, what begins to happen in our life is, is as we grow in our faith, as we deepen our walk with the Lord, as we mature. In fact, the Spirit does develop us, the Spirit makes us and, and changes us into somebody who actually cares about other people. Um, he makes us and develops us into someone that desires other people to hear about the gospel. And so that's essentially what he is doing as we grow in our faith. He's, he's calling us to uh, become a fisher of men. Essentially, he's calling us to multiply to share the message of Jesus and, and develop a disciple that will then develop disciples that will develop disciples that will develop disciples. This is his plan of multiplication. And, and uh, no one gets it at first, but somewhere along the way, there has to, become, there has to be a point in your life as a, as a follower of Jesus to where you begin to get this and you begin to understand what that looks like and how you can be a part of that. And so We shared that last week, then we talked about our 2020 vision. And so just to recap our 2020 vision and what it looks like, this is our prayer. This is where we believe God is taking us as a church. And and the three headlines are, we believe God wants us to multiply leaders, that God wants us to multiply campuses, and that God wants us to multiply resources. And so when we think about multiplying leaders, we believe that as we, in fact, make disciples that become fishers of men, we will be able to see our goal, our vision is that we would see a thousand people uh, get baptized over the next two years by, by the end of year 2020. So how amazing would that be if, if God actually allows us to, to be a part of that? Our goal is that we would see a thousand people go through base camp. Because we know that if people will take that first step and go to base camp, we know their journey of maturity begins. And so we want to see people take that first step. We also said that we want to see 100 people go through our FC school ministry, people who are uh, committing to full-time ministry and just leaders in our church who are committed to take that next step of, of growth and, and, and learning and we also said that we want to see 20 uh, students go overseas or into a church plant in America somewhere and give up a summer for a short-term uh, ministry assignment. So we want to encourage those who are in college or maybe a high school senior uh, to be able to plan and think about that. We talked about multiplying campuses and how as a church, we want to start a campus in the Bearden area of Knoxville. And so many reasons that I shared last week, I'll continue to uh, talk about this over this year, uh, but we want to see God multiply our effectiveness and multiply disciples in an area uh, that 
we believe God is calling us to go. And you just think about that, man. What does it look like for us to multiply leaders in the sense that now there is a, an incredibly new amount of people ministering to an entire different uh, location? And, and it just simply means we're two, one church in two locations and uh, close to the uh, UT campus. How awesome would it be for us to impact that campus with the gospel? Uh, through that ministry. How awesome would it be? You know, UT is known as one of the number one party schools in the nation. What does it look like over the next 10 years as, as we start a campus that it, it then becomes one of the most spiritual campuses in the nation? You know, how awesome would that be? And who knows, it may translate into a winning season as well. I don't know. I'm just casting vision today. We're praying for that. You know, just think you could be a part. Like we have an opportunity uh, we believe God is calling us to do that. And to get that started, I said that we're going to need at least 100 partners that will commit to go uh, for a year and spend their time investing in that area. And so I had a lot of people that live in Knoxville that come to FC that signed up last week and say, yeah, I want to help. I didn't have very many Maryville people. And so what that tells me is that, okay, you're processing and thinking, and that's, that's cool. You've got some time to pray and, and, and think about it. But it is going to take people who live in Maryville taking that step of commitment and saying, yeah, we're going to go. So we're going to continue to pray and, and ask you to think about that. And then finally, we said we've got to multiply resources because, you know, part of the vision is managing the growth that we continue to experience here. And so the growth that we're experiencing in our kids' area uh, needs some renovations. We need some different spaces, and we need to build out some spaces. That's going to take resources. I said that parking was an issue, and so uh, I asked you to park um, at Schneider if you are capable of walking that short path and, and, and helping us open up some space today. Didn't quite need it today, uh, but uh, we will in the future. And uh, as well as, you know, we're going to need to buy property for, for parking and a counseling center, and so that's part of uh, why we need to multiply our resources. So ultimately, it's going to take more staff to you know, be able to do the things that we uh, want to do. So that's going to take resources. A second campus is going to take resources. And so we believe God is, is going to do that. We've seen him do that. And so we're excited about that. My goals for this series is that 100% of us, every single one of us, would take our next step of faith, whatever that looks like for you. Whatever that step is, I'm challenging you to take that step. And so I've been talking to people, and, and uh, it's funny because people know uh, a lot of times what that step is, and it's like very nerve-wracking. It's like, I know what God wants me to do, but I am nervous about taking this step. And, and that's part of the fun. That's part of the journey. But we want to see 100% of us take that step. And then secondly, we want to see 100% of us give our first and our best to the vision offering, which is next Sunday, December 16th. And so we're going to be asking you to give a one-time uh, donation, one-time offering. And then we're also asking you to uh, give us what your commitment is going to be for the year 2019. So a one-time gift and then a commitment to give over the year 2019 towards uh, the vision. And so we're excited about this and excited about how God is going uh, to use it. Uh, so today, um, man, snowing outside, it just makes it feel so much more like Christmas, doesn't it? I mean, did anybody start singing White Christmas this morning as, as soon as it started coming down? I mean, it's just there. I mean, how many of you guys love Christmas? Like, you just buy a show of hands. I mean, you just, you just love Christmas, right? I mean, we love Christmas at our house, and, 
You know, because we love Christmas, we like to decorate for Christmas, and so we, we've, we've thrown out a lot of decorations, uh, old pictures of the kids when they were, you know, little, at, at we always did, did that Christmas picture, you know, so those are out, and we put up a couple Christmas trees, and um, my daughters put up Christmas trees in their rooms as well, lights, all this kind of stuff. This year, my wife actually talked me in to actually doing uh, lights outside, and so that was a big step, so we got lights outside. We, we love Christmas, and so... You know, any, any, anybody that loves Christmas, you know, you're, you're typically going to build out your home to, to kind of look, you know, and, and feel that way. And the reason is because we like how it makes us feel, you know. We like that, that feeling. How many of you guys at least have a, a Christmas tree in your house? You put up a Christmas tree. Okay, so most of us. Uh, how many of you got out the decorations that you went a little step further and you got other decorations? Lots of us. How many of you got, went the extra step, you got lights outside on your house? okay. Anybody want to say our house, you know, is kind of like the Griswold house? Anybody say our house is, okay, we got one or two. All right, we need to check y'all's house out. Give us the address because I love driving around looking. And so, so, yeah, you know, what's funny about, you know, when it comes to things that we love like that, we'll, we'll spend the extra time, we'll spend the extra energy that it takes, we'll spend the extra money that it takes to actually build out that environment to make it feel a certain way. And the reason is because we build what we love. And it's true in every area of my life, it's true in every area of your life that whatever we love, we tend to build out in our life. And so we love Christmas and so we build out our homes to kind of feel a certain way. Why? Because we love Christmas, we build what we love. Some of you want your kids to be athletes and so you, know, you, you spend a lot of time and energy to, to build them into a better athlete. Why? Because you, you build what you love and that's, that's fine. Some of you love your business and so you spend a lot of time and energy and effort building that business. Why? Because you love the business and, and you, you're trying to grow the business. And, and the reality is we simply build what we love. And the question we have to ask ourselves today and and every day, really something I think we should wrestle with more is, are we building the right things? Because every single one of us are, are building something today. Are we building the right things? Do I love and value the things that God loves and values? I mean, it's a really good question. If you're seeking to please God with your life, you want to honor the Lord uh, with your life. If you're a Christian today, you love the Lord, isn't it a good question to kind of sit back and say, do, do I actually build the things that God loves? Am I building things that are going to impact eternity? Well, in our scripture today, if you have your Bibles, we can go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Uh, we're going to see in this passage that God talks about how givers please him, and not just any giver, but he gives us specifics on what giving should look like. In other words, here are some, some ways in which when you give, you will please God. And, and, and so as we open up our text, he's going to show us that in order for us to please God, we've got to learn to be generous. And so in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning in verse 1, let's read this first passage here. Paul, writing to the church in Corinth, says, Now it is super floss for me to write to you about the ministry for the saints, for I know your readiness, circle that, of which I boast about you to the people of Macedonia, saying that Achaia has been ready, circle it again, since last year. And your zeal, another good word, has stirred up most of them. But I am sending the brothers so that our boasting about you may not prove empty in this matter, so that you may be, here it is again, ready as I said you would be. Otherwise, 
If some Macedonians come with me and find that you are not ready, we would be humiliated to say nothing, uh, to say nothing of you for being so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead to you and arrange in advance for the gift you have promised so that it may be ready, here it is again, as a willing gift, not as an exaction. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver." We'll read some more here in just a moment, but let's just, let's just begin to unpack some of the things that we're learning so far. That, that yes, God loves, uh, loves it when we are generous, but what I find interesting is that not all giving pleases God. Now, you can be a giver and still not please God. You can be generous with your time and your money and still not please God. I, I think in this passage what we're going to see is that there are some specific ways in which we do please God when we are giving. And so givers that please God do at least four things. The first thing is they are ready to give. How many times did we read that one word in that short passage? It says that they were eager, they were excited, they were ready to give. Now, you know when you're playing a game, anybody competitive, I'm super competitive. Like, if I'm playing a game and I'm, say I'm playing basketball and I make a shot and you were guarding me and, and I make that shot, you know how that makes a person feel? You know what it does physically when that happens? You, you guys know what I'm talking about? It's almost like, you, know, you may not do this outwardly, but inside you're going, yeah, let's go right there. Does anybody else do that? Is that just me? Like when you beat your kids at Monopoly at home, you're like, yeah, yeah. Like there's this like emotion that comes out of you. When you prove that your wife was wrong about something, you're like, yeah! No, don't do that. That'll get you in trouble. But there's just something about winning that gets us to a point of just like excitement and, and, and like joy and like eager. And, and when I see this, it's, it's almost as if Paul is saying, these, these people are so excited. They are ready. They, they, their motivation and their excitement, he says, has actually uh, encouraged the surrounding churches Paul says, everybody else heard the report of how you guys were ready to give, and now they are pumped. Now they're excited. Now they are, they're diving in, and they are ready to give. And I just wonder if, if that's our attitude when it comes to giving. You know, it's just like sometimes it's almost like uh, reluctantly, or we don't actually connect the dots of how every dollar that we, we are generous with, God multiplies and uses in incredible ways. And, and like it's almost like we don't trust God with it. It's almost like, okay, I'm going to do this, but it's just because I think I need to. And it's not because of, a, of an excitement that says, man, I'm ready to see what God is going to do with this. See, the issue... Uh, and, and why they were collecting an offering is because um, there was a church in Jerusalem and they were experiencing all kinds of hardship. Because of their you know, newfound faith in Jesus, they were getting persecuted. Their businesses weren't doing well. They were living in poverty. And so here's Paul. He leaves Jerusalem. He goes to Judea, Samaria. And as he is going to all of Asia, he's planning these churches. He goes to the city of Corinth. He leads some people to Christ. He establishes a church. He plants the church there. As the church is being built up, Paul begins to identify this need in the Jerusalem church, and he says, guys, look, they are in poverty. And what he does is he begins to cast a vision 
to the, the church in Corinth, and he says, man, what would it look like if we all gave generously so that then we could bless them with our generosity? What, what would this look like? And so this vision that he casts is a, a, a year prior to 2 Corinthians, as we read. And so this is a reminder letter. 2 Corinthians is like, hey, Remember, you were ready, you were excited, you guys were all about the vision of collecting the offering and giving it to the Jerusalem church. I'm coming, and I'm just making sure that you guys are, in fact, still pumped and you're still ready. And he says, if you're not ready when I get there, I'm going to be ashamed. You're going to make me look like an idiot because I told everybody how awesome you guys were and that this is what you were going to do. You've got to come through. You've got to fulfill. You've got to be ready with the gift that I heard you say you were going to give. So Paul's encouraging them to take this offering, to give it to the church in Jerusalem. Now, we don't read that. and We don't say, okay, well, I guess that means today in 2018, we need to collect an offering and send it to some church in Jerusalem. <laughs> That's not what it means. What it, what it means, the principle that we learn here is that as Paul casted the vision to the church in Corinth and said, this is, what, this is the vision that I believe God wants us to do as a church. They could have collected an offering and they could have sent it anywhere. They could have done whatever, but God put it on Paul's heart to, to do this. And so he, he cast that vision to the church and the church responds. And so when it comes to a moment like this in our church and every year we, we talk about our vision and every year we talk about our vision offering and, and, and God gives me, he gives our elders, he gives our staff this, this vision, this, this, this idea. We talk about it, we pray about it, we mull over it for, for months and, 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 and specifically for a campus. This has been a years, this has been five years worth of mulling over for me. And so we present this vision. This is the direction we believe you know, God is calling us to go and to move. He's, he's made us a healthy church and he continues to multiply us. And now we're, we're positioned. Our, our staff is, is ready for the challenge. We're, we're really you know, becoming infused with, with you know, even some new staff. And so this, is, this has been one of those things. Okay, so here's where we're at. Here's the vision, right? And so as we cast that vision, now it's up to all of us to respond, to say, yeah, we're going to jump in. We're going to, we're going to get ourselves ready, and we're going to be prepared for the vision of Foothills Church. Now, the second thing that we see here, givers that please God, is that givers are prepared to give. Givers are prepared to give. So it's not just that they were ready. Paul is actually saying, get prepared here. He says in verses 3, he says, don't prove empty in this matter. Don't talk about it and not be about it. Don't lift up, you know, all this great stuff that you want to do and then not fulfill it. And so he's saying, I want you to be prepared. When I get there, I'll be ashamed if you do not come through on the commitment that you have made. And so don't get all excited about it. But then when I get there, you just, oh, I'm sorry, we forgot or we weren't quite ready. So they got to get prepared. Listen, we got to get prepared. We need to be prepared now. That's why we've been talking about this now for three weeks um, it's why we went through an entire week of prayer as a church, because I don't want to ask you to do anything that you haven't asked God about, you haven't planned about, you haven't thought about, you haven't talked about with your wife if you're married uh, or your husband. Like, this is something that you plan for. And so we talk about it, we cast a vision, and we, we set the date out there so that you guys can begin to plan and to be prepared. What if Christmas morning in a couple of weeks... The kids run into the living room where the, the, the Christmas tree is, and underneath the tree, it's empty, no presents. 
And it's not because you didn't have any money to buy any presents. It's simply because, well, work was busy and I had a lot going on and sorry, I just didn't have time to prepare. How are your kids going to respond? My kids might hang me to death. (laughs) They might kill me. I don't know. But essentially, when we experience that, like your kids would say, Dad, you've had 12 months to get ready. You've had 12 months now to to kind of figure this out. And and how can you not be ready? There's a difference between people who get excited about something, maybe excited about the vision, and those who actually give. There's a big difference between that person. There's a big difference between the person who, after the service, says, I'm Trent, I'm so excited about this. It's going to be so awesome to have a second campus. It's going to be so awesome to see a thousand people come to know Christ. It's going to be so awesome to renovate so that our kids have better space and students have better space. We're just continuing to do great things here. That's one thing. But if that's all we're about and we're not actually generous and we're not actually giving towards that, then that's a whole different problem, isn't it? You see, everybody can get excited about vision. Everybody can agree with me that somebody needs to sacrifice for this. This is a good thing. Somebody needs to sacrifice. Oftentimes, we just don't want that sacrifice to be us. Somebody should. Somebody better get their act together. But it's not going to be me. (laughs) See, there's a big difference between that. Paul says, I want you to be planned. I want you to be ready. We've got to be prepared. We've got to think it through. And we've got to understand what God is asking you to give. Thirdly, we see that they give much and they reap much. In verse 6, it says, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Now listen, you, you know that this principle is true in your life. If you're a judgmental person and you're judging other people and you've kind of got that judgmental attitude, guess what? Other people are going to judge you. If you're a critical person and you're nitpicking and you're critical of this person and that person, guess what? That's going to be received unto you. If you sow criticism, people are going to criticize you. It's just just uh, the nature of life, how, how God has wired the world to work. Whatever you give out, you're going to get back. It's just how it works. On the other hand, if you're constantly giving out encouragement, you're going to receive affirmation. You're sowing that encouragement, you're going to reap encouragement from other people. If you are sowing kindness into the lives of people around you, you're going to reap kindness. People are going to be affirming and encouraging to you if you are sowing that to them. That's how God's kind of wired the universe. But listen, here's the great thing about this principle of sowing and reaping. You're always going to get back more than you actually give. You're always going to reap more than you actually sow. If I take a kernel of corn and I plant it into the ground, I'm not just going to get one kernel of corn back, am I? No, I'm going to have a a whole stalk is going to grow, and it's going to produce several hundred kernels. If I plant a tomato seed, I'm not just going to get one tomato I'm going to get a whole plant with, with tons of tomatoes. I mean, that's the principle that God wants us to understand. Whatever we give out, you're going, to, you're going to get back to a certain degree, a greater degree, in fact, because God wants us essentially to learn how to be generous. For God so loved the world that he gave. We are never more like God than when we are generous. And this is where he wants us to move. And it's part of how he makes us a fisher of men. He develops us by trusting him in this area. Sooner or later, though, 
Every single one of us, we've got to decide, am I really going to believe in the promises of the Bible? Am I really going to believe this stuff? I mean, some of you have been in church for years and maybe you've not given or maybe you're not, you know, stepping into the areas that God is calling you to. And at what point are you, do you just go, man, if I'm really a follower of Christ, I actually have to start to do some of this stuff. Like, at what point are you finally going to actually believe in the promises that you've been hearing about for so long? The reason he asked me to do this is because this is the exact opposite of my human nature. This is the exact opposite of my sinful desire in my life. You know, the sin in my life wants me to amass, collect, and hoard. Why? Because I need it for numero uno. That's what my nature wants. That's what my selfishness does. And, and so I'm always kind of being pulled into that because of the sin in my life. I'm, I'm always kind of like out of fear. I need to collect. I need to, I need to gather and I need to, to have all this because I never know I've got to take care instead of realizing the very principles that God teaches us uh, elsewhere. Jesus says does, life isn't consistent in what you collect. It consists in what, what you're able to give and do for others. Am I going to be generous and expect God to keep his promise? I mean, a lot of people, even believers, when it comes to money, they, they act like they're atheists. They believe in God, but when it comes to finances, well, I don't really believe God exists. It's, it's kind of how they live. Um, you know, I try to teach my kids to be generous. It's, it's difficult. Um, and, and so we're, we're in that process. And I'll never forget, this has happened a couple of times, you know, with various kids in my life, but uh, we've got four kids, and I remember my son was, was uh, younger. Uh, I had already eaten lunch, uh, but, but he hadn't, and so I went through Chick-fil-A, and I got him, you know, the nugget meal, and uh, that got the whole combo deal, right? And, and so I, I wasn't hungry, but as soon as that, you know, nugget aroma started wafting in the car, you know how that is. As soon as he pulled out the, the, the waffle fries of, of heaven, and I started to see the glistening, you know, salt on the... Anyway, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm focusing too much on... The, 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 the hunger kind of hit me. Like, I wasn't hungry, but, but I wanted a fry, right? You know, how many of you guys, you, you, you got to get a fry from the kids, like, before they... So I reach over to grab the fry, and you know what his reaction was? Uh-uh. Can't have a fry. These are my fries. Oh, really? Your fries, huh? Here's, here's a few principles that my son needs to learn and, and that perhaps all the kids in the room need to learn. And that is, number one, uh, my son had forgotten that I'm the source of all fries. <laughs> I am the fry daddy. Like, if I want to, I can buy you a truckload of fries, you know, and fill your room up with them because I have the capacity to do that, or I can take every fry from you right this daggone second. I have the freedom to do that right here and right now. You know, another thought that hits me is my son didn't realize that I could take them away at any second I wanted to. I could, I could take them away, or I could, I could actually bless him with a lot more fries, you know? And listen, I wasn't asking for a nugget, there's protocol here as a parent, like the, 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 the nugget would have been too far. I get that, right? That would have been too far. You don't want to mess with a hungry kid and his, his nuggets. I get that. It was just a fry. You see, he, he forgot the fact that I could get him a lot more or I could take him away. The other thing that he forgot and he needs to realize is I didn't need his fries. I didn't need that. 
Like I said, I, I could have gone back, uh, and, and I thought about it. Could have gone back, could have got a whole meal for myself. I, I, I could have bought several, you know, things of fries and, and taken care of them. I, I didn't need his, but I wanted him to be generous, you know, with me. I, I wanted him to give back uh, a little of what I had already given to him. Now, some of us need to learn the three lessons from the Chick-fil-A nugget meal. Every time you get a Chick-fil-A nugget meal, which I know is often, <laughs> you need to remember these, these three simple truths. The first thing is God has given you everything. He's the source. He's the source. Everything that you have is a result of his grace in your life. Not only is it a result of the grace in his life, but secondly, we see that he could take what we have or he could double what we have at any moment. He has the power to do that. Like to double and triple and quadruple whatever you have today, he can do that easily or he can take it away. And thirdly, we need to understand that God says, I don't, I don't need your money. I don't, I don't need your fries. I'm not poor. I just want you to learn to be generous. I want you to learn to be generous. And I want you to learn how to, how to be a person that becomes a fisher of men. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Give much and you will reap much. Now, when you plant a seed, if you're a farmer or you have a garden, you, you know the physics behind this. Like when you plant a seed, the seed actually has to die in the ground. And when the seed dies, then it gives the capacity for the plant to grow out of that seed. And so I think it's important for us to remember the seed dies, the plant grows. As the plant grows, then it produces the crops that multiply the fruit for us to be able to enjoy. So listen, if you want your money to multiply, you got to bury it. You got to bury it. You've got to die to this desire that I need to amass more, I need to have more, I need to have all of these things in order to be happy, or I need to have all of these things in order to be secure. I gotta die to that, I've gotta bury it, die to that desire, and as I bury that seed, God multiplies it. As I bury it for the kingdom of God, he's gonna multiply it, and he's gonna use it for your good and for his glory. God is looking for channels. He's looking for willing people to say, you know what? God, use me. God, use what I have. I don't have much, but here's what I have. Or you may have a lot. God, I've got a lot, but I, I like to hold on to it, and, and I'm not really generous. And God's going to just say, I'm just looking for people who would be open and willing and gracious, be able to let, allow me to use you for the kingdom of God. Fourthly, what we see here in verse 7 is that those who please God, givers that please God, they give with joy. They give with great joy. He says, each one must decide in his heart, not reluctantly. In other words, decide in your heart. This is a decision that you make. You pray about it. You think about it. You decide in your heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. This isn't a, you better do this. This is a, man, you, you have an incredible opportunity to change lives for the kingdom of God. We do as a church. We have, we have an opportunity together, a vision together to do something amazing. He says, not under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. God loves somebody who 
cheerfully gives. In other words, they have joy in giving. If you're regretting it, it doesn't please God. That's why I said earlier, you can give and, not, and still not please God. If you're, if you're giving and yet you're failing to see the desperate need of why you are in fact giving, you're, you're missing it. If you're giving but you're failing to see what Christ has done for you, you're missing it. We're not going to please God if it's forced, if it's, if it's out of fear, or if, or if it's to keep up with appearance so everybody sees what I'm giving or what I'm doing, then, then we're going to miss that blessing. He wants us to give cheerfully, decide in our heart, and then prayerfully say, this is what we believe God wants us to give, and that's simply what we're asking everyone to do. You know, I've seen a lot of cool things happen over the last nine years of our church. You know, this Easter we turned 10, by the way. We've got a a lot planned for um, our, our birthday, our 10th anniversary birthday uh, coming up this spring. But, but right now we're nine, nine and a half, and, and uh, we've seen a lot of great things. In 2011, we saw 130 people sacrifice and, and give to Foothills Church so that we could have the West Building. And uh, when we moved into that facility, we knew that we had to begin to renovate it, and it wasn't you know, built to be a church. And so those 130 people began to, to grow into a couple hundred people, and we did a, a sermon series and casted vision. We called it Invest, and we said, hey, let's invest in the kingdom of God together. And, and people uh, sacrificially gave. Some people, instead of going on vacation, they gave. Instead of buying the, the upgraded car, they, they gave. And, and because of that sacrifice, we were able to renovate the kids' area. Area. Then we were able to renovate uh, the space that we call the theater now. We started to have services in there. One service went to two services, went to three services. And, and uh, now that room still blesses our kids, even right now. And of course, on Wednesday night, it blesses our student ministry. In 2016, we, we casted more vision because as the church grew and we were in those three services, we knew you know, what was next. We, we wanted to continue to create space for people who weren't here yet. And, and so in 16, we did a, another vision series and we said, let's go. You know, we, we said, man, we got to go. Let's go. Let's do this together. And, and uh, several uh, hundred families said, yeah, we're going to go. We're, we're all in. You know, we're going to do this. And so they, they gave, and we started to move towards the idea of, you know, building this facility and buying this land. But in 2016, man, things were, were, were growing, but not at the rate that we had seen in 2013, 14, and, and, and 15, and we were just kind of hitting that, that kind of plateau almost. And so uh, financially, we were not impressing the bank. <laughs> financially, we weren't impressing anybody. Um, we, we were doing okay. Um, and, and we were just like, okay, God, what is next? How, how are we going to buy this land? And how are we going to take this next step? And so I gathered about 30 people in our church, 30 families who had been generous um, in the past. And I said, guys, here's where we're at. Like, this is, this is what we're, we're dealing with. Here's where we want to go. But the reality is we can't go. We can't get a loan like this. We, we can't do this. And, and so we're just kind of stuck. What, what, do you, what can we do? What, how can we pray through this? And what's God going to do? And as a result of that meeting that night, uh, two, two families stuck around and said, hey, here, here's what we want to do. The two of us are going to give X amount of dollars. Will that allow us to get the land and move forward? And with tears in my eyes and um, that moment I was talking about earlier where you're like, let's go, let's go. That was kind of happening inside of me, but I kept it together and I was like, oh man, that would be a blessing. Thank you. Yeah, I was freaking out. Like that was an incredible moment. And, and so like, like we were then able to take that step 
and, and purchase this land. And, and that thing, you know, that night, those two families did two things that I'll never forget. The first thing is they actually opened up the door to be able to allow us to be here today. But secondly, they did something that doesn't often come on the radar, which is what happened in my heart. Because what happened in my heart when that, when that was given was a leap of faith and growth that I just sat back and I said, okay, God, okay, I trust you. I, you're going you're gonna to do it. I just have to stop, stop worrying about it, and I just have to trust you. And that allowed that vision to really re, regain energy into my own heart and in my own leadership. And God did an incredible work as a result of that. You know, today the vision continues. We're, 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 we're continuing to do the same thing we did when we started. We want to make disciples you know, two years uh, in the future, we're, we're hoping to do all of these great things. We're hoping to see all of these spaces renovated. We want to see uh, a little bit more land for parking. We want to see a second campus. Um, but, you know, it all really started with a group of people several years ago that said, you know what, we'll, we'll be a part of this. We'll give. You know, we may not be able to give enough to, like, buy the land, but here's what we can give. And, and it was a result of that faithfulness. And here we are. Like, this is really nice. This place is awesome, space is great, campus is great, and every time I walk onto this property and this, this, this church, it's like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for allowing me to be a part of this. Thank you for allowing me to be the, the, the pastor of this amazing group of people in this amazing church, and thank you for the vision that you've given to us. And, and uh, every time I start to become thankful and, and praise um, I, I believe God receives that, but then that thought, that, that impression that he gives to me always kind of comes back. And that, that, that coming back on me is like, don't get complacent. Like, this is great, but there's more to come. Like, we're not done yet. Like, Trent, you're not done. Like, this church isn't done. There's, there's more people in this city that need to hear and experience what we're experiencing. There's more people in Knoxville that need to experience this. Verses 10 and 11 here, he says, He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. A couple of things here. The first thing is our fifth principle, and that is givers that please God are blessed to be a blessing. We're blessed to be a blessing. He says it really, really in a neat way here. He's, he says, you're going to multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply us in this way. And so, so the idea here is that some, the, first of all, the seed that we have here are the people and the resources. This is the seed that we have, the people and the resources. When we bury that, when we die to ourselves, when we die to our resources, we plant that into the kingdom of God, that's going to grow. And as a result of that growth, some of what we get in return, this bread, so to speak here in verse 10, is to be used to take care of our needs. So, so the bread is used to take care of our needs and our, you know, the ministries of our church for each other. And some of that is also needed to be used for multiplication in areas and in ways to continue to connect people to Jesus. And what I've learned over the last nine years at FC is you build what you love. You build what you love. 
And as I see all of these promises in the Bible over and over and over again, man, multiply your seed, you know, invest it, plant it into the kingdom of God. If you do that, I'm going to increase that harvest in your life. You're enriched in every way to be generous. God enriches you not to be more selfish and to hoard more stuff. He enriches you so that you would bless other people. We either believe that or we don't. And at some point, we've got to actually begin to live it as a church. We've got to begin to trust in what God is calling us to do because we build what we love. And so the question that we land with today is, do we love his church? Do we love the idea of building the kingdom of God? For me, I love the idea of building the kingdom of Trent. It sounds really awesome. Like I love the idea of concept of that. That's my flesh and that's my desire. But as I surrender and submit to the Lord, I begin to realize that, okay, that's not the goal of my life. The goal is, okay, how do I help build the kingdom of God? And God says, Jesus says, like, the gates of hell are not going to stop it. I'm going to build my church. So the invitation is that, you guys want to join me? You want to come? You want to join me in this? So the issue then is, are we going to actually take part in that that building of his kingdom here in Maryville and in Knox County. Some people spend a lot of money on their homes and they want to fix it up. Why? You build what you love. Some people like to buy a lot of cars and build bigger garages and that's, that's great. Why do they do that? Well, you, you build what you love. The question is, are we going to build what we love? Are we going to, we're going to build God's church here? And so what I'm going to ask all the section leaders to do right now is is to just hand out some cards that I'm just gonna ask you to take today. Don't worry, nothing's gonna, we're not asking you to do anything other than just like take what they're gonna pass out. And so if you guys will go ahead and do that. And uh, because of the snow, we may not have a section leader here or there, so feel free to help us. But these are just, this is just the card that I want you guys to look at and I want you to pray over, bring it back next week. Um, Because next week is when we're going to be asking you to come with that prepared, that planned offering. And that's a one-time offering, and then it's also a commitment to give in 2019. And if you've been here, you know this is what we we, uh, have done in the past, and God has blessed it and used it. I believe this is going to be the biggest offering we've ever seen, praying that it would be in fact so. And as they're passing that out, and we even now just begin to pray over that. I want to encourage you, number one, to come back next week. Be a part. It'll be an exciting day. Number two, we got to continue to pray. Like, God, what will we give? Let's consider the words of Jesus as they continue to pass this out. John chapter 4, verse 34, Jesus had been doing ministry all day, and he hadn't eaten. And so the disciples say, has anyone brought him something to eat? And Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. For he, for, for here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you do not labor, Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. I'm going to challenge you to lift up your eyes. 
Lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Look out across the county that we live in and see that the fields are ready for harvest. Look out across all the school campuses and all the young people who continue to struggle with the addiction problem that we have in our county, by the way. And how will they connect their heart to Jesus? Where is their hope? No guidance, strictly living on social media. Look out to the city. Lift up your eyes to the needs that are all around you. Your life might be great. Your neighborhood might be wonderful. Step out, walk around, see what else is happening in our city. The devastation, the broken families, the, 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 the addiction that is there. My goodness, the fields are white with harvest. We cannot become complacent as a church and just sit around and drink our coffee just think that everything is great. It is, it, there is a need out in our community. Look out into the fields of Knoxville. See the campus of UT. See that area where there's, there's so many young people and so much diversity and so much poverty and so many things that, that we have solutions to through the gospel. We are not enriched to just sit in our Maryville elite status and just feel like, man, we got great schools, we got great everything, man, we got it going on, it's beautiful here, we got it, we, we got it good. God didn't give us all this simply so that we could have it good. He gave all of us all of this, whatever it is that he's given, to be a blessing to other people. So I want to ask you to join me next week. Join me, let's pray over this, and let's give together. Father, let's, we, just, we just want to honor you today, Lord. We just pray that this word from 2 Corinthians 9 would stir our hearts and that we wouldn't just believe that it's a good idea. We wouldn't just want somebody to sacrifice, but God, we, we would be willing to sacrifice ourselves. And whether that's, you know, the, the dollar amount is not important. The, the, the proportion is what matters. And so just help us to be faithful. Help us to be faithful, God. And I pray that the vision, the ideas, the things that you've gotten us excited about for future stuff would come to pass. And you would, in fact, provide. And you would, in fact, help us to experience the harvest that you have prepared. And Lord, even, even when we are sowing and sowing, Lord, we, we may not be the one that reaps. It may be someone else that comes along after us and sees a harvest. Either way, Lord, we just want to be a part of it. We want to be used by you. And so we pray that you would help us to be faithful. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com.